My name is Vida, Sister Prince. Today is May 5th, 1994, and I am interviewing Eula Flowers on her life for my oral history project, Race and Memory in St. Louis. This is my independent study supported by the Missouri Historical Society. Uh, well, I really haven't given you any. <laughs> no, I actually do it over the um, uh, phone. phone a oh, little really? bit, yes. Okay. Um, well, we can do that. So, uh, uh, what is your date of birth? You know? No, I'll give you the date, but not oh, the year. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I knew that. There was a reason I didn't have it. November the 25th. Okay, November the 25th. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, <laughs> were you born in St. Louis? No, I was born in Cotton Valley, Louisiana. Oh. Mm -hmm. And and how old were you when you came to St. Louis? I tell you that you figure oh, out. Well, right. <laughs> let's say let's say I came here at uh, uh, an early age. Cotton Valley, Louisiana. Louisiana. Mm -hmm. Do you have memories of of Cotton Valley? Mm -hmm. Okay, can the, you tell me about? Well, they're not okay. They're the, yeah, yeah. The good memories would be the family gatherings because that's what we would go back there for. Mm -hmm. We would go back to Louisiana for family gatherings. Mm -hmm. And those were always good memories with my grandfather and uh, my uncles and my aunts, so forth and so on. Uh, breakfast was just fantastic. You had everything. Uh, sausage, um, eggs, um, steaks, uh, biscuits, uh, mm -hmm. gravy, just breakfast was a great big thing down there. Well, the people had to work in the field, so they had, they had to be well fed. Uh, we would go to church in the wagon. We went to the church in the wagon. Uh, church was an all-day affair, because uh, you'd take your lunch and everything. Everybody would uh, just gather and have fun. We'd have a lot of fun. And then we would come home. We, I know how to uh, pick cotton and pick corn. I mean, you know, you know, you get the corn. Uh, we had on on our on my grandfather's farm. We had everything. We had hogs. We had cows. We had uh, chickens. Um, you know, I know how to dig up potatoes and peanuts and all of the typical things on a farm for 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 a farmer. We had all that. So when we would go back in the summer, we would we would whatever needed to be harvested at that time, we would do that. I had an aunt, her name's Aunt Bessie. Believe it or not, she's still living. She's pretty close to 90. Okay, Aunt Bessie. Let me see if this works. Okay, Aunt Bessie would insist that I go fishing. She just, I just had to go fishing. Fishing was down at the creek, down at the bayou, really. And, uh, oh, I would hate going fishing because in that part of Cotton Valley, Louisiana, you have rattlers rattler snakes. And in the um, in the water you had the water moccasins. So she would insist that we go fishing and I was so scared because I am afraid of snakes. We would get out there and you can see the water moccasins swimming right under the surface of the water. And she would insist that we stay there till we caught something. I could have uh her. I could do it. <laughs> yeah, stay there and hope Something would bite real oh. soon, but she was she was she was great. She just wanted us to have that, wanted me to have that experience. 
So we would catch something. We, you know, if she caught, okay, as long as something Somebody was caught, <laughs> yeah, right, right, then we would uh, make our way back to the house and you could, you know, see the rattlers. You know, she taught us how to to just keep, you know, moving and whatever. We were, that that was that was the only point I didn't like. But you know, to to appease her, I would go on and do that. It was fun. It was fun. That's the good part. The unpleasant part of of uh, Cotton Valley, Louisiana. We would go home sometimes. Didn't happen too often, but occasionally, when we went home at nighttime, you would hear. Uh, your voices, and you would hear horses, you know, and you would hear um, um, very unpleasant memories. Um, our house, my grandfather's house, oh, I'm coming. Our grandfather's house was at the end of that road, and when you pass his house, you're into the woods, the forest, and etc. And the white folks would go coon hunting. Cone hunting means you go find a black person, and you would, uh, you know, you would catch him, and then you would bring him out past, you know, our house into the woods, and they would beat them and uh, and hang them, and you could hear them screaming. You could hear the black folks that they would catch screaming and just be screaming, and uh, you know, it was bad. And our my grandparent, my grandfather would. Uh, tell us to just be very quiet. We would have to be very quiet. We would we would be in the house, we would be in the bed, because they would generally come like midnight or one, something like that. And he would tell us to just be very quiet, be very quiet, just don't make any noise. We, there would be no lights, candles would be put out. The house would be very, very black, because if they thought that you heard them or saw them, then, then you were in trouble. You were really in trouble. Oh, it was very unpleasant. Sometimes we would we would hear that screaming and the pain, and then they would come back by the house on their way back to the town or whatever. And sure enough, the next morning you you knew that there had been a hanging, there had been a beating. Um, that's unpleasant. The other unpleasant part, which was really more amusing than unpleasant is that when we would go to town, um, you could walk on the sidewalk as long as there were no Caucasians or white people on the sidewalk. Now, if you were meeting, if you were walking and you're meeting a white person coming, then we had to step out in the street. We could not be on the sidewalk with that, with that Caucasian or the white person. When you, this was, this was funny. You go in the store to purchase. You could not go in and say, I want a box of, of crackers. Crackers, you couldn't do that. You had to go in and say, I want a box of soda crackers or saltines. They didn't have saltines, it'd be soda crackers. Because if you just say crackers, then they thought oh, you were, oh, you were. like a Georgia cracker. Yeah, yeah, being disrespectful. disrespectful. Yeah, because you're calling that white person a cracker. <laughs> well, anyway, <laughs> that was that was rather amusing. And then we would, if you went, they let us go to the movies. They didn't have a one one movie house, but you had to sit up in the in the balcony, up in the roost nest, as they would call it. You had to sit up there because you couldn't meet, you couldn't sit at all where the white folks were. 
So those, those, those were one unpleasant. But before we would go south every year, my mother, there were three of us, my mother would sit us down and she would say to us, now we're going home. You know the rules of the south, so follow those rules because we're going to come back to St. Louis, but the rest of the family would still be down there. So then we didn't want to do anything that would cause uh, them to be, be, to become a target of anything. So we followed the rules. We followed the rules and we went there. And then uh, when we come back to St. Louis, we were okay, so. It's quite an education that you were getting. Oh, yes, 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 yes indeed. But it, it was, it was worth it to a degree because what it did, it made you, my mother, um, was from a family of, of educators. Uh, although at that time, if you had an, These were your mother's My mother's family, family right. If you had an eighth grade education in the South, that was, that was really something. And my mother did have the eighth grade education, so she was known as the teacher. She was the teacher of the area. People would send their children to her to teach. My grandfather, her father, was a minister. So we're from a family with, with a good background, especially with, with education, because that was the key in our family, get an education, get an education. I had an uncle, my grandfather's brother, that was Uncle Bell. Uh, uncle Bell's family had the largest spread, so to speak, in the South at that time. May I ask if sure. if if they were able to own this land or yeah they they, they, they no they owned the land developed the land um, I should be rich today I should be rich the land that my father my grandfather my grandfather had there were oral rights water rights forest rights they had all of those rights uh, because they owned and developed that land. But by not being able to read and write, then the land was taken from them by hook and crook. My uncle, on the other hand, my great uncle, my, my grandfather's brother, uh, was smarter. He could, not smarter, but he could read. And by him being able to read, they were not able to get that land from him like they did my grandfather. But my uncle had a spread, my great uncle had a spread, and he grew everything on his land. He grew so much on his land that he was able to sell to the white folks in, in Cotton Valley, Louisiana. So they, they had a lot of respect for him because what they needed, they had to come to him to get it because he grew it, cultivated, developed it, so forth and so on. So they were they were very well off. They were smart enough. He was smart enough to to hold on to his land until and there are some members of his family that still live in the still own the land. Um, but you know we lost all of my dad, my granddad, just sort of lost all of his. What church was it? Was your grandpa? Uh, it was called Mount Mount Moriah, Mount Moriah. And Mount Moriah, that church is still there, and it has a cemetery, you know, and the, so all of my mom's people are buried in that cemetery because that's, that's really their, 
their church and their land. What yeah. was fun? Oh, fun! Uh, yeah, fun. That was fun. The fellowship, the eating. Uh, the kids had an area where we would play, jump rope, play games while the, the elders were, you know, over. Um, oh, eating, just uh, romping and, and, and fellowshipping, and you get a chance to meet all the other family members, and then you would, you would um, um, meet all the other members of the church, because in the South they have a lot of children, you know, to work the land, farm the land, so you have a lot of children. Um, you have uh, even the people who were called the house slaves. I'm, I'm two, three generations removed from slavery, really, too. My grandfather was a child. My grandfather's father was a slave. Okay, and my grandfather, um, as a youngster, slavery was still going on. And as uh, it was in his little later years that you had the freedom of the slaves and so forth like that. So. He was property owned also, you know, by the slave master. Did you yeah. talk about it? Oh, yeah. I did a, uh, in, in Stowe, when I was, <coughs> excuse me, in college, I did, um, where your family tree, you mm -hmm. do that. Okay. So I had to go to my grandfather to get that. So he, he told us, you know, he told me all that. Um, and Lee, Lee is the, the name of the family that, that was the master the slave master's uh, last name was Lee. So Lee? Lee, L-E-E, Lee. -E -E, Lee. Is that your? That was my mother's maiden name. Okay. That's my grandfather's uh, name. Yeah, so his last name was Lee. Um, uh, what else we do fun? We just have so much fun in terms of games, fellowship. Um, a lot of warmth. Yes, yes, and then that family, that family cohesiveness is the word that I want, and the family love, and you get to meet all of the other relatives that you really don't see. And you were from St. Louis. Yeah, yeah, so see, I'm from the big city, you know. Uh, my mother's people, they were all like in Shreveport, uh, Minden, Winfield, well, cotton, we knew the Cotton Valley folks, but, you know, everybody was sort of come to the church because it was centrally located. So that was fun. Um, they would take us out in the field, you know. Uh, it was fun slopping the hogs. We were messy, but it was, <laughs> it was fun. Slopping the hogs. You go, okay, okay. And the hog pen, it feed them. You feed them slops. Yeah, your stuff, stuff that what we call garbage here. Mm -hmm. You know, in the country, whatever wasn't eaten, eaten by us, you give it to the hogs. That's called slopping the hogs. I had a back in the train with someone who had grown up on a farm. Mm -hmm. and she said that people who grew up on a farm had a whole different sense of life. Oh, yeah, yeah, because you see life. And that, yes, and that yeah. pigs or hogs. Cows, chickens run up under the house. I can I can kill a chicken from the from the beginning. They taught us how okay. to take a live chicken and wring his neck, and <laughs> that, that's not funny. Wring his neck, and uh, then you know put him in the hot water and take all the feathers off his stuff. And it was really interesting because you wring the neck, break the neck, and the chicken's body was still. <laughs> Still going, and that didn't bother you. Oh. Um, I interviewed a lady, and she said she 
Oh no, that. they told us we would, you know, we would see the old folks stood after, after you know, when you got to be a certain age, they would let you let you do that. And see, you have to remember now. I went home every year until um, I was about I was in high school. But what happened? My mother worked for Terminal Railroad Association. Yeah, we could, she could get passes. So when she, uh, she got passes for as long as she could, and then see, after we got up a certain age, she had to pay. That was the end of that. <laughs> Going home by train. And my dad, by that time, though, had a car, so we would still go back home by car. And then one year, we went by bus, you know. Um, how do you pick up? Well, you just, you just, okay, they have the little bowl, you know. It, mm -hmm. uh, so you just, you just, you pick off the little bowl, and. And uh, and open it up, and here's the cotton. You just pull it out. Can you get your fingers pricked or something very easily? Well, not really. If if when when they show you what to do, you know, like they show you how to how to do that with without occasionally, you know, if you're sort of careless, you you would. But but when well, it's you're in the sun. You know, you're in the sun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you 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 gotta go over, you know. Mm -hmm. Now the the sugarcane and corn, well they are on stalks. So that's that's not really hard because you're on stalks and you're you're standing. But with cotton you're you, you know, it grows low to the ground so you really have to go in. Did the did the relatives or the people that you met down there did they did they feel that you had a separate advantage by living up here? without all the things that were going on down there, like lynchings? Uh, in that sense, yes. But then, see, you have to remember, you're not from St. Louis, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, are you? Okay. Well, you know, in St. Louis, it was, they still did some pretty, pretty rough stuff. Um, you, you, well, you didn't have to go through the physical, um, the physical abuse that you had down south, but in other ways, it was still just as just as traumatic to a degree. Because now the advantage of down south that you have to give credit for is, if the white man liked you or liked your family, uh, there's nothing they wouldn't do for you. And they would they would protect you all the way down the line. There isn't anything they would not do for you. Once they were convinced that you were, um, and I, I hate to use this terminology, but for lack of a better better terminology, if you were a cooperative good nigger, mm -hmm. you know negra, yeah. nigger they call you it. Right. If you acted right, nigger, then there's just nothing they wouldn't do for you. Then the other thing I would have to give them credit for too is if they saw that you were really interested in learning, like my mom went to school, they respected you for that. They gave you a lot of respect for that. So my mother's family received a lot of respect because they were educators. Why do you give them good marks for being, there's nothing they wouldn't do for you as long as you're a good Okay, uh, because that was the only way you could get ahead. Yeah, that's the only way you could get ahead. You could, that's the only way you could get what you really but needed. But why, why are you, I understand that, 
Why do I give them credit for that? Uh -huh. I give them credit for that because it helped to sort of lay a foundation in terms of knowing when to play a role to get what you wanted to get or needed to get. You you, you learned how to you you learned how to to role play. Are you saying at least they the black people had that opportunity? Whereas maybe they wouldn't have given them one at all. Right. That's okay. right. That's so some, right. some people didn't right. give them one at all. Right. But right. some people did. And that's right. why you're giving them marks. It's a comparison. Right. Thing. Right. That's right. That's right. And if, like I said, and if they saw that you were really, really serious about, especially education, the the slave owners. Now I'm talking. I'm not talking about the little crackers. I'm well, you know, the, the poor white folks. <laughs> I love it. Okay. I'm talking about the ones who really had the money that really owned the land, had large spreads, and like you said, gone with the wind, owned those big, beautiful houses and things of that nature. Um, if they saw you were really serious and and really wanted to advance yourself then they helped you, but then they, they also helped you because you're taking care of their children. I'm you know. Are you talking about the same decade? I'm not talking about Civil War times. I'm talking about... That, that lasted over, yeah, past about, Civil War. Yes. Past Civil I'm War. about when you were down there and you were... Yeah, there. yeah, that's... That, yeah. Now, when I'm talking about going down there, I'm talking about the 40s, mm -hmm. late 40s. Let's say I went to high school. Yeah. In the forties, you still had you still had that mm -hmm. that slave mentality. mentality. That's right. Um, mm -hmm. You said you're talking about St. Louis as opposed to South, right? And you use the word uh, other things. Um, I think you were talking about. I just well, what other comparisons? That um, you were you you were asking me you were asking me. Um, when I was down south, yeah. did they think by living in St. Louis, we had, we had a better advantage than they? In some ways, yes, and in some ways, no. The, 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 the prejudices of, of St. Louis were just more subtle. Where by down south, they're just open. You, you know your place, you know. Here, they make you think you have a place, when in reality, you do not have a place. And they have their ways of very, in a very subtle manner of keeping you in your place and reminding you, you know, you're still, you're still black, you see. We're about down south, they're just more open. You, you know what to expect. You know what's coming, you know what to expect. Is it possible that um, down south, you don't have to think about your skin color because that's the way you live. Yeah, that's that's a that's a way of living. But up here, uh, are you consciously made aware of the color of your skin every day in some way? Yeah. Or you mean now or back then? Let's, or let's start back then. Back then. It it deep. Depended on what you were on what you were doing. Um, 
there was a difference down south, not so much in skin color as it was in your position in terms of, for example, the house slaves. In my mother's family, that's, let me take my mother's family. In my mother's family, the shade of complexion would go from your shade, white, to darker than me, black, okay? The very fair ones we knew, and, and there was no secret about that, were the offsprings of the master's house. You know, the master had a wife, and if you were fairly nice-looking or whatever, a black woman working in, in the house, and the, the black and the uh, slave owner decided he wanted you, then, then that was that, you know, see, and it didn't make any difference if you had a husband. See, that's where black men were subdued so, um, because if he said anything, they'd kill him, you know. So uh, you, you had that difference in color complexion within a family uh, structure because of that. Um, in my own family today, my daughter and I are the darkest ones in our family. My sister is, is fair. Her children are fair. My brother was more or less my color, but he married a very fair girl, so his children are fair. Their children are fair. Um, and my daughter and I are dark. You know, I'm dark, and she's darker than I am. So when we have a family gathering, we always tease each other, you know, we're only black ones in this family. <laughs> Everybody else is very you know. Um, up here in St. Louis, it just depended. When we had segregation, you know, we had segregation here. So uh, I can remember when we would go downtown to, I'll say famous that time, you could not eat at their counters. You, you know, you could buy and take it out, but you couldn't sit there and eat. Uh, you could go and, um, yeah, you could go and apply for a job. Uh, I'll say famous, those stores downtown, those department stores, okay, they would hire you to be elevator operators. That that time they didn't have clerks, but you had to look, be very fair, look like you, you were white. Now, if you were like my shade of complexion, then they let you work in the kitchen, or you could work in maintenance, cleaning up, or something like that. But you could not work out uh, where the public would see you. You couldn't do that. So I guess, yeah, they did make a difference in the shade of complexion. Yeah, they did. We had, they had a little saying when I was in school, because it, it spilled over into the school, too. We had it in school. Uh, if you're white or light, you're all right. If you're brown, you can stick around. But if you're black, stay back. Get, get out the way. And there's still some of that going on. Now, this is just among the black race. The black race, not talking about the white race. So now, if you know you had that type of, of, of color consciousness in the black race, uh, then you're going to get a certain amount of it in the white race. Now, the only difference really... So the whites will look at you differently? The white, well, the whites will more well, or less look at you because, you know, you can be as fair as you, but if you have one drop of black blood, you're still a nigger as far as the white race is really concerned. If, if they mm -hmm. did look at 
Maintenance, you know, going back to that slave so mentality. They still made that they still made that difference. But now if you got two up at the you know, even if you were the elevator operator and you got too cute, they were reminding you now, you know, you may be high yellow but you still black. You got one drop of black blood in you. Now, who would make you conscious of that? The black person or the white? The whites. The whites would. Mm -hmm. um, and there's still a lot of that. There's still a lot of that going on. Still quite a bit of it. The only time it's kind of uh, played down is if you is is the finances, money. Because if if you make the money, I'll, I'll say like a Michael Jordan. Uh, you make the money, they've, they've, they've got to treat you a little differently. But they still will let you know, in a, in a sense, you know. He still can't join the most exclusive, you know, white club there is. He's still black. I don't care if he is a multimillionaire. But uh, when you have the money, you can, you can, what they don't, you can buy whatever you want anyway. Because he's, he's not going to turn down that money. <laughs> He's just not going to do that. Mm -hmm. um, how did you know about some of these things? Now, this is not a naive question. It's, you know, okay, it's like, how did I know about well, what Well, for instance, I was going to ask this when you were talking oh, about the South, but then you cleared it up by saying, okay. mm -hmm. or you got to it before mm -hmm. I, I needed to ask you, mm -hmm. and that your mother sat you down and said, we're going South, and these are the rules that you can right. buy in the South. That's right. Up here where things were more subtle, Mm -hmm. but still mm -hmm. difficult mm -hmm. um, and, and discriminated against. Um, did you just notice that the elevator girls were lighter, or did someone tell you that? Did okay. you know that, um, uh, what were some of the other things you mentioned, um, that there were certain things that... My mother taught us. She told you before the thing, or did you... Yeah. Ask questions. No, she told us. No, she really, she really, she really told us. She, it, right, right, right. Cause now we're in school now, and keep in mind, in school you have all shades of complexions, and the schools were segregated at that time. So you had, we had children of very fair complexion, um, and then and and you would come on down the line to my shade and darker. And although in school I did not, I did not um, encounter. Well, there were always other alternatives, you know. Uh, in school, for example, okay, okay, in grade school there was there was just no problem in terms of color, shades of complexion. I went to Sumner High School, and Sumner High School at that time was the school, the school of elite. To school, but where I lived, it meant that I went to Sumner High School. Okay, and you lived, uh, in the Ville. In the Ville. Um, I lived in St. Louis Avenue. St. Louis Avenue. Mm -hmm. Where you are now? Same street, just Same street. different block. When I was going to Simmons and Sumner High School, I lived forty-two. I lived forty-two thirty-four when I was going to, and then we moved from forty-two thirty-four on St. Louis Avenue to. 40, no, I lived 4334 on St. Louis Avenue. Then we moved down and I lived 4288 St. Louis Avenue. And that's where I went to Sumner and Stowe. Uh, 
And then we moved to 4522 St. Louis Avenue, which is where I am now. Um, Okay, when my mom and dad came to the city, we lived we lived on the Clee, we lived on Clifton Place, we lived on Pine, we lived on those streets, mm -hmm. and then we moved on St. Louis Avenue. Mm -hmm. I remember those moves. You know. Did they matter to you? Well, not really. Mm -hmm. Not really. Um, what do you remember about the moves? He just moved. He just moved. <laughs> yeah, he just moved. Significant to no. When we lived on Pine, I remember my brother being born, and my mother, my mother came home and she let me hold my brother, and I dropped him. <laughs> it wasn't funny, but it was funny. He was all bundled up, so I didn't hurt him, but they never let me forget that I dropped him. I dropped my brother. Oh no, no, I'm the middle child. My sister is the oldest. I'm the next, and my brother was the youngest. Yeah. Oh, my brother, uh, my brother, um, uh, it's, I'm, I'm, I still have problems with this. Um, yeah, my, my brother died six months after my husband. He had a massive heart attack. Mm -hmm. Just blew my mind because my brother and I were very close, very, very close. And I, I, I still have problems with that. I still cannot go in, the, in his house. Where he lived. Um, that's, right, well, that's, yeah, we'll move on past that. We'll move on past that. We had an interesting meeting. I'm so glad we did. Uh, <laughs> I just uh, came into the black room yeah, and sat down next to you yeah, and yeah, made a new friend. Yeah. And in that, I learned that you lived in the Ville mm -hmm. and that you went to Simmons, Sumner, and so. St. Louis U. And yeah, with the, the store and got my AB and then St. Louis okay. U that got my master's right. And you got your master's in? St. Louis Education. In education. Uh-huh. And um, postgraduate work at UMSA, at Southeast UMSA. Missouri State, Southwest Missouri State. Okay. Uh -huh. So um, let's, let's, let's stay on education for a minute. Okay. Um, all right, so wait a minute. So your mother, we, we, we Oh, yeah, my mother. My mother sort of prepared us. But, yeah, but what she always, my mother always emphasized that develop the brain. That was her thing. You develop that brain. You develop your personality. And you keep Christ first. And then she said, no one can open up your head and take that knowledge away. Uh, you keep Christ first in your life, and then you have an inner peace which will reflect itself on the outside. So although people may look at you and decide that you do not deserve this or that because of the shade of your complexion, if you just keep on going, you keep on going, get that education. She was always, get that education, get that knowledge, because no one can take your knowledge away from you. And she said, in due time, the physical part eventually fades away anyway. The, the outer beauty will fade away, but the inner beauty will always be there. So de develop that. And, and her thing was develop personality so that as you meet people or as you interact with people, they will always be able to say, well, I'm glad I met her or she's fun or, or I don't mind being around her like that. Yeah, it's very so. interesting that you really? should say that and really? explain yourself like that to me because though I don't know you 
very well, and when we met, we were in the dark. <laughs> right. At the and, uh, but you have a glow. Really? You know, you, I, I, I didn't want to get cute with you too early, because I don't really know you, but I wanted to say, because you talked oh, about the South and, yeah, and the people there, yeah. I wanted to say, you must have been an adorable little girl. You have a very um, giving but it was not always that way. Right. It was not always that way. So um, it wasn't as simple as your mother telling you that? Well, happened. what happened was I was little. Physically, I was very little, very small. My nickname was Little Bit. Little okay. Bit, little little bit. bit. Yeah, that was my nickname, Little Bit. So I was very small, and people have a tendency to pick on small people if you're physically small. So people had a tendency to want to, want to do that. But now my father was a very strong personality, and my father um, taught us the thing I remember most about my dad was you stand up for the right. If you believe that what you're doing is right, then you stand there. And he would say, now, if they knock you down, I don't care what they do to you, you get back up and you stand for what you believe is right. And my father ended up really uh, an alcoholic. My father was in World War One. My mother says that he was shell-shocked. So when he came home, the doctors, my mother said, that the doctors told him to report to Jefferson Barracks every month for treatments. You know, he had to go take these treatments. And I think, I just believe that somewhere along the line he just got tired of going out there because to go to Jefferson Barracks in that time took at least two hours or three hours on the streetcar. You had to change, change, change. And I really believe my father got tired. He just got tired. So instead of doing that, he, he started drinking and eventually ended up alcoholic. Now, my father worked in private family, but he worked for very, very rich people, very, very rich people. Um, and at home, boy, we had um, player pianos, which would be very valuable nowadays. Um, they would use you know, they were into tennis, so we had us a business. They would only use their tennis rackets once and their balls once, and they would give them to my dad. And at that time, the older guys played what they called knockout, and they used tennis balls. So we would sell them two for a nickel, whatever. So we had our own little thriving business with the, the tennis kids, balls. The, the older kids, yeah, would, would, they needed tennis balls to play their game. So, and we were the only ones in the neighborhood with tennis. With we continually get tennis balls. Tennis balls. So there, it was much cheaper to buy them from us than trying to go to the store and get some tennis balls. Who did you get one for? Oh, it, oh, one family I remember was a Mr. Lewis. I don't, I don't know. I don't remember all of it. But he worked for Mr. Lewis for years, years and years. And they were very, they were, they were like multimillionaires. And they would give him... This is where we got that thing, like my dad wanted a car, he, he liked big Oldsmobiles, and he couldn't get it, so they would buy it for him. I mean, they would intervene and get it for him. Did yeah. he have to pay them then, Uh, Yeah and no. It was really up to him if he could pay, when he Whatever could pay, he right, right. What did he do for them? Well, he was like the 
uh, you know, when you work for rich people, you take care of the yard, you take care of the buildings, the properties, you would serve at the parties, you would do that. Drive right. Whatever needed to be done at that time, that's what he would do. Now, he didn't take care of the children, per se, because he was a man. He was more or less the... Yeah, right, right. Oh, and we would love it when they had parties because he would bring home the hors d'oeuvres, things that would be left and stuff. Ooh, that was good. We loved when, he, when they had parties and stuff. And they would give him, uh, like they would have apple trees, fruit trees and all like that. And they would just give him bags and bags. And girl, we supplied the neighborhood. You know, the kids say, oh, here come Mr. Johnson. He's got some apples and, and stuff like that. So he would, he would, we would supply the neighborhood. You know, they would supply the neighborhood. With stuff. What, did Christmas today? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yes, at Christmas we would just get, you know, all kinds of things. And Christmas was big time in our house. We would decorate the doors and decorate the house and mm -hmm. hang up our little stockings, you know, um, by the fireplace. And my mother would just cook all the goodies that would go with Christmas. And my dad would, uh, we would tell him what we would want, what we wanted, rather. And sometimes he would be able to get it, sometimes he wasn't. But we learned to be appreciative of whatever we got. Well, anyway, going back to I wasn't always so nice. All right, hold it for a minute. Uh, well, I don't know which way to go. Uh -huh. How do you feel about the people that your father worked for? Fine, because he would take us out there to work with him. And they treated us marvelously. You know, this was Mr. Johnson's children. Do and you remember they, where they lived? I think it was over on uh, Westminster, I think. Uh, that, that, that word, was you know. Was it L-O-U-I-S or L-E-W-I-S? Westminster no, no, Place. No, one Lewis place. No, no, Mr. Lewis, she said. That he worked for L E W I S. L E W S. Okay, so you weren't always as nice Oh, Lord, no, 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 no. I was, I was. You were a little bit. Yeah, and picked on it, so it made me mean. It made me mean. I was, I was mean and overly sensitive and always on the defensive. Because, you know, they would be picking on me. I interpreted to be picking on me and, um, and would fight at the drop of a hat, just fight. Okay, what broke that up? And I, w I was a tomboy, really. I was excellent in sports, very good in sports. And, and you would always see me with fellas. Well, to the fellas, I was like another fella because I was so good in sports. But anyway, I had this old mean, ugly attitude because people were picking on me. So my mother, again, my mother, she took me one day and just sat me aside. She said, now, take a look at yourself in the mirror. That's my mother. Now, you're not going to win anybody's beauty contest, you know. So now you're going to have to learn how to get along with people so that you can become a likable person, you know. So she, she read the riot act, and then she informed me again that you better learn to develop your brains, your mind, your personality, and you put Christ first in your life, and then you'll be a better person, because at the rate you're going, you won't live together. <laughs> Oh, yes, yes, indeed. I, well, I took inventory of myself. 
that's one thing I do. I, whenever I encounter any type of um, challenge, I like to use the word challenge, when I encounter that, I look at myself first. What did I do? What did I say? What did my behavior say that caused the other person to react to me the way that they did? I always go to myself first. Now, once I analyze myself uh, thoroughly, and I don't sugarcoat myself, I, I, you know, I know, you know, the way I said it, the way I looked, or, the, or my body language said something. Once I do that. And 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 see that okay well I'm innocent then I'm okay if when I do that and say okay I I I, I asked for that I, I got what I deserved okay then I don't try that anymore was <laughs> but I don't try that anymore I'm very honest with myself you just know yourself pretty well. oh sure sure it's it's a matter of admitting the negatives about yeah. yourself to yourself. And you have to do that in order to improve yourself. And then my mother used to, because we had to go to church, girl, we had to go to church, we had to go to church, which was fine. But my mother would say, she would tell, I would hear her telling the different people that should pray for my child. She needs prayer. <laughs> she needs prayer. <laughs> See, my sister was so angelic. She didn't do nothing wrong. I was always in the summer. So they would tell my mother, tell that one, that one, talking about me, that one really needs prayer. So you all pray for her. What really church did you go to? Newstead Baptist. Newstead Baptist did it Church. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes, I'm still there. I'm still there. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, yeah. Can you tell me how old you were when your father died? I was, so I, well, let me tell you, I was in, uh, I was, let's see, I was in Stowe. I was in Stowe. I was about, Two years from, yeah, I was two years from graduation. It's still, but my mother and father separated because my father became physically and verbally abusive okay. to my mother. Yeah, because of the drinking. Did, did she? Um... But she taught us never to hate him. She said that um, she taught us to love him because she said it was a sickness that was brought on by World War. One, and you know, I can remember when my father was great. Yeah. He would take us, girl. He would take us on picnics, and he would take us out to Jefferson Bears to, to the park for the what is May the thirty-first, whatever that. He would take us. Yeah, my father was great. He would he would take us. Um, oh, he he had a war buddy um, named Mr. Slacks. Mr. Slacks lived in East St. Louis. He would take us over there. We would we would walk that bridge before we had a car. Yeah, going over to East St. Louis to visit with Mr. Slack on holidays, you know, July the fourth. And how would you get from your? Oh, you were down. You lived. We, we lived. We lived downtown. Then we lived on Pine. Luckily, well, yeah, we, you could walk where did across. Where Mr. Slack live? In East St. Louis. I mean, where in East St. Louis? Do you remember the street? Oh no, I don't remember the um, street. Where else did you and your dad? Your oh, dad we would we would go to the park, Which like park? on holidays. Well, on on uh, Memorial Day, we would always go out to Jefferson Barracks. Uh -huh. We'd go to Jefferson Barracks because you know, a car? we take the bus, take the bus until he got a car. Yeah. Yeah, then then we would you know go in the uh -huh. car. He would take us to Forest Park. You know, we we would go there. 
he kept us laughing all the time because he would always be telling funny jokes and stuff like that. So that was while he was... Um, he had a good time with you. Yeah, I was his favorite because I look like my dad and act like my dad. And you know, so I was like his. his well, it's his fortunate pet. that you have such lovely memories of him. Oh yeah, before and that your the drinking, it she did. So well. And she would not let us. Uh, she would not let us be any other way. Mm -hmm. She would always remind us of the good days, the mm -hmm. good days before uh, the drinking. And she sounds like a wonderful woman. Oh, she was. She was. She was way ahead of her time. Mm -hmm in terms of psychology. She had three children and each one of us was different. And she she recognized that and she 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 worked with us from that particular standpoint. I was I was the headstrong one. I was really, really that way. So she worked with me differently than from my sister. Her pet though was my brother. You know how mothers and sons are. So her my brother was her pet. <laughs> My mother worked in private family. My, my mother worked in private family. I did too. We were brought up to work now. We, we were working folks. My brother worked in the corner drugstore. And after my mom and dad separated and eventually divorced, all three of us worked. Yeah. My sister worked. How old with me. What, tell me about your working. I worked in private family. Oh, I've had all kinds of jobs. I worked in private family. What was that like for you? Well, no problem, no problem. You know, I was used to cleaning up, <laughs> so forth and so on. Um, I was in college. I was in college, and the gentleman I worked for, Mr. Hmm, Mr. You know, I can't call his name right now. But that was a good family, and he he was a college professor. And the fact that I was in school trying to get an education. Um, was really great. He he really admired me for that, and uh, he would uh, encourage me. He came to my graduation from Stowe. He sure did. So I worked there, and then let's see. During the war years, World War Two, I worked at the post office because they hired us to work at the post office. I worked at J C Penney's in Wellston as an elevator operator. I worked for the at that time it was called the Evangelist. Evangeline Residence, which is on uh, 18, 18th Street, I think, in Locust. They call it something else now. It's a home for for the homeless. So it's in a way. It used to be um, a residence for ladies, women who worked, and it was called the Evangeline Residence. It's operated by. Catholics. It was operated by her. so I was an elevator operator there. So I, I, and I worked in a um, dry goods store. So I, I've worked. You worked. Mm -hmm. you worked your way through everything. Mm -hmm. We were taught to work now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm just gonna ask. I mean, I'm, let's kind of center on St. Louis at the moment. Mm -hmm. the things that you you okay. How the city's worked for you. The things that you did do. Did you go to the VP uh, there, uh, parade uh, and stuff? Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, we went to all of that. Did mm -hmm. you, what, what it didn't. It didn't. It. Well, we knew that that was out of our 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 range, but we enjoyed the parade. Mm -hmm. We enjoyed the parade. Um, it was out of a lot of people's range. Right, and they the were all. I mean, that kind of thing. It was out of my uh, range. 
<laughs> well, I mean, it was a rich per people. It was well, rich people. It was more than rich. It was also very narrow. Yeah, uh, see, we didn't know the insides of it. All we knew was a big parade, and we enjoyed the parade. Yeah. And they would use basically Sumner, as I said, it was an elitist school. Mm -hmm. So usually in these things, they would use Sumner's band, which was just excellent. The band was just excellent. Mm -hmm. And a number of times, we might be, Sumner might be the only black band that, that they had in the parade. So the veil, you know, the, the, the exciting part about the veiled prophet was going to the parade, going to the parade. We all went to the parade. Whole neighborhood got together and we all went to the parade. You know, we went there. Um, St. Louis is okay. Uh, I think my greatest, uh, by being educated and a graduate, you know, um, well, I always had a job because I worked for the school board, so that, that, was, that was no problem. Um, my greatest thrill in terms of education for me was getting a master's degree from St. Louis U. Now, the reason, when we were kids coming along, they would always have, the circus would come to town. The circus would be a Grand and Laclede. That's where all the circuses were. And we would walk from our house on St. Louis Avenue to the circus, and we would pass St. Louis U. And we never walked on the same side, on the, on the street on the same side. We always crossed the street. And we would cross the street and just stand back and look at this university. And, and we would say, what a magnificent structure. And at that time, they didn't have blacks going there at all. And we would just look at that and, and uh, we would just marvel you know, at, at that, that magnificent university. And it's, wouldn't it be something if we could go there? And we said, well, it'll never happen in our lifetime. We'd stand there and look, and they would be having classes, and the guys would be coming out. Well, it was Catholic. So you saw the nuns and the fathers and all. We'd just stand there and watch them and utter, you know, fascination and whatever. And then we'd go on to the circus and have a good time coming back. The fact that I graduated from St. Louis U with a master's degree was, was a, a highlight for me from the standpoint of as a child, we were not even admitted to the school. And we were so in awe of the school that we would not even walk on the same, on the sidewalk on the same side of the school. We would cross the street. And uh, and and here because what was that all about? I mean, it was I mean, out of our reach, unapproach. It was just something we figured we would so it was too, never. I don't know. I never. It, into words. Uh, it was just it was just something that we just as blacks felt that we would we would never be able to go there. We we would never be able to meticulate there. We, we would never be able to even go inside of yeah. the building. We would, it was out of our reach intellectually. It was, it was out of our reach socially, I guess. Uh, it was just something that you look at and you'll say, well, I wish I could, but I know I never would. But you did. But we did. But I did. I did. 
Um, I did. And, and one of the questions asked me when I went for my orals, you know, after I had finished my, my writtens and I went in for my orals, and they asked me what was, what was the greatest thing for me in terms of having attended St. Louis And it was very prejudiced. It was, it was still very prejudiced. Um, um, I said the fact that as a child, I never dreamed that it would even be possible for me to come here as a student and then to graduate with a master's degree from this university. And for me, that was, that was just an accomplishment that I never dreamed could, could even occur. You know, that for me, that's, that's, that's what it was. And for my mom, oh, my mom, I'm so glad she, my mom, uh, I, I got, I received my master's in, um, in 69, my mom died in 70. Mm -hmm. And um, my mom, my aunt's name told me, because my mom eventually had a stroke, but my, when my aunts came up to, and my uncle came up for her funeral, they were, they, we were sitting around the house and they were just talking about the good times and they were, they were so happy. They said that my mom, now she never really said this to me, she was proud. I knew she was proud. But they said that my mom had gotten on the telephone and had called everybody down home and said, she called me, Eulavie, Eulavie. She said, Eulavie. Eulavie. Yeah, my name's Eulavie. My name's Eulavie. Anyway, they said that she was on that phone and she was so excited because Eulavie had marched across that stage and had gotten her master's degree. And all those white folks. And there was her little Eulabee. <laughs> because in my class, there were only 39 people that got master's that particular year. And only three of us were black. Only three of us were black. And the rest were Caucasian. And she was so proud that what, and she said, they said they told one but about three blacks and one of them was my little Eulabee. <laughs> no, she, she never really expressed that to me, but they said she just went on and on because I had really achieved what she had wanted to do. My mother had really wanted to pursue her. Her education. But she married, and she said my dad had promised her that she would be able to go and, and uh, once the kids start coming. But my mother, let me tell you what my mother did though. My mother went on and, and achieved through male, male, male correspondence. She, she went on, she went as far as she could go through male correspondence. And what she received through the mail would be equivalent to any, any college. You were talking about St. Louis. So in education, that's, that was my yeah. greatness. Um, how, how did you feel like, well, how did you feel? I mean, like, wonderful, exhilarated, but inside, what about, about getting that master's. Getting the master's. Yeah, um, I mean, did, did you feel like you could, you could do anything? Did you feel like oh, you no, were really, the it was, same as? I yeah, mean, it was, okay, getting my master's was really, it, it was okay. Um, I wasn't ex as excited about it as my mother. 
Um, well, you had your own reasons for being excited about it, I guess. Well, well, my reasons were a little different. What happened was that um, a number of, of um, my fellow, my peers, had, when they graduated from Stowe, they just went on and got their masters, okay? I went on and went to teaching, and then I went on and got married. Where did you, you know? teach? I started, to, well, this is funny, I started teaching at Patrick Henry, and I retired from Patrick Henry. I made the full circle. I made the full circle. I started teaching at Patrick Henry, and then I went to, uh, and then I went to, um, I went from Patrick Henry to Franklin as a teacher, and then at Franklin I became um, administrative assistant. Now we're in, I don't want to get your age back in here, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm up there. Anyway. Well, but I'm trying okay. to, I'm, I'm trying thinking in terms of schools and, mm -hmm. and uh, segregation and so forth. Mm -hmm. So. The, we, we were still segregated. We're still segregated. Schools were this still segregated. Like 50s yeah. and 60s. Right, right. Okay. Right. So we're, we're segregated, but in 54 they had the. Uh, Integration. Uh, that, that law. Right. The, the law that the came Topeka through. The versus Board of Education. Right. But it was happened in 54, so it didn't mean like it went like that. So. Well, so in 55, because we, we had to come out of Patrick Henry. Right, because tell me. Tell me. Okay. First, first tell me, first tell me um, when it happened. Uh, okay, when it was we happened. Were people happy? Were they exhilarated? Did they? No, not really. Nothing. Mm -mm, not really, because what they did see integration, integration to white folks meant um, black folks come where white folks are. Didn't mean white folks come where black folks were. So we were in Patrick Henry, and and the project behind us, which was Cochrane was really, well, it was kind of integrated, because all of these projects were integrated at first, and then they eventually became all black. Well, behind, behind Patrick Henry, which is at 1220 North 10th Street, you had Cochrane projects. So to, to integrate, they moved. <laughs> I always laugh. Mr. Scott was my principal. Ms. Scott was very fair complexion. So what they had to do was, well, first, the first thing they did was integrated the staffs. So they integrated, they, before they integrated children, they integrated the staff. And for you, this was in 55, I think that was 55. It was the early 50s, whenever that law came through. Mm -hmm. uh, so Mr. Scott took half of us from, from Patrick Henry. And that's when we moved to the Franklin Building, which at that time was Old Washington Tech, which is 19th and Franklin. And then they turned that to an elementary school. So we opened that up as an elementary school. As Franklin? As Franklin Elementary School. It, it, the, it was Old Washington, Washington Tech. Tech. Yeah, it was Washington Technical School. So what? So Ms. half of you went from Patrick Henry to, to Franklin. All black students. Yeah, right. And right, right. And, and, and we used to tease Mrs. Scott and tell him that what he did, because keep in mind they had to integrate the staffs first. Mm -hmm. So we told Mrs. Scott what he did was that he took all the dark teachers with him to Franklin and left the fair and mid-fair teachers after <laughs> giving to integrate it. Because they looked 
on a white. <laughs> you were just standing on blacks. <laughs> Girl, we used to laugh about that. We had a lot of, like, mm. jokes. Yeah, yeah, we, we did. We had a lot of jokes. We did. When you got around the white teachers and the yeah. white students.